The Bible is a single story that tells of the victory of God. This single story is what gives us hope, and this hope is sturdy. When, when you talk about Amazing Grace, everyone knows the song, but does everyone know the reality? If you know the reality of this Amazing Grace, then you have something significant, something living. It's eternal. It's a hope. It's a hope that will never fade. It will never fail. It will never be taken from you. And this is what the story of the Bible is about. The story of the Bible tells the story of this victory that provides this amazing grace. If you are here regularly, you know, you know and you, you realize this. And some of you may, this is maybe going to be new to you. But understand that the Bible is not a collection of sayings or stories. It's a single story. It has a single plot line. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of a God who made a people in His image for His glory, who failed Him, but that He did not despise, but instead chose to redeem. The story has four parts. You know this. Creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. We know in creation there's one God who created all things. Can you say it with me? To be in what? To be in, to be in harmony. But because of sin, because of the fall, there has been separation. And now we are in desperate need from the day of our birth, from even our conception. We are in desperate need of a Savior. We need someone who would come and take our place, take our punishment, and overcome the consequence of our sin, which is death. And that is exactly what Jesus did. That is the rescue. That is what we celebrated just a few moments with those elements in the Lord's Supper. We celebrated the coming of God in flesh to lay down His life as a living sacrifice that, that He would give Himself that, that we might be saved. And so now this living God who has been resurrected by the power of His Spirit is now conforming us to His image. And we know that one day that that confirmation will be complete. We know that one day that our God is going to restore all things that He will return. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And once again, there will be harmony. And this is our hope. This is what we look to. And this hope that we have because of this amazing grace, because of this story of redemption, this hope is sturdy. And this hope is at work in us to transform us and to make us a people who live in the victory of Christ. In our text today, we, we see uh, this victory and, and how at every stage of faith, this amazing grace reveals itself anew to, to draw us closer to God and to make us more and more of what He died for us to be. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to First John. Again, this year of hope, we're in First John, and today we're going to be in verses 12 through 14 of First John chapter 2. We have Daniel Thomas, one of our sophomores going to read for us. He's uh, getting ready to head to uh, South Africa soon, and so we're excited for him in that venture as he goes to, to share the gospel, but we're glad to have him stand and read for us today. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in First John chapter 2, and, and Daniel's going to read for us verses 12 through 14, if you would. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. 
I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The word of God. Thank you, Daniel. If you would, be seated. Let's, let's talk about this. Realize John is using some poetic expression here to remind God's people of the victory they have in Christ at whatever stage they are in. And I want you to see that there are in our text today revealed three stages, if you will, of development in the Christian life. There are three stages that we are to grow into, grow through. Let's, let's look at these. Different states of faith. First of all, there are new believers. And they are like little children. They're just starting out. They're getting the basics of the gospel. And, and they're being set free. But they're still just little children. They're still young in the faith. But then there are experienced believers who are like uh, battle-worn, successful warriors. These are young men who, who are fighting with the sword of the Spirit, who are, who are overcoming the darkness. And they are finding victory in Christ. They're experiencing the victory. They're learning how to, to work with the power of the Holy Spirit according to His Word. And then there are mature believers, and, and they're like fathers who rest in the promise of God and, and are a model of faith. These are believers who are, who are growing, using these tools, experiencing God in their everyday life, and they're becoming models for children and for young men, and they are there to, to, to live out their faith and, and grow until the day when they see God and they hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. These are stages, and you can see these stages in our text today, and to me they're just as clear as just being able to understand where the stage of a, of a, of a Little League baseball player. You know, we were playing Little League these days, and I can, I can see the differences between the, the new players and the experienced players and the mature players. And I'm going to tell you, it has nothing to do with size. It's amazing to me. We have one of our little hopers, as you might say, was playing the other night. His little guy got up to bat. He cranked that ball out to left field, and it was such a delight to just watch him run with such confidence and to swing that bat, and it was just amazing. Bigger kids would get up. They couldn't hit it nearly as far, and it dawned on me. This is a mature ball player. This is a person who has been trained to, to, to do this sport. Not only have they been trained, but this young man has disciplined himself. He's given time to, to pursue this game so that he could be effective at it. And I think about these principles of faith that we're going to see today. And the fact of the matter is, if you want your hope to be sturdy, you've got to understand, you've got to live in the victory of God's amazing grace. And you've got to take the truth of God's Word, and you've got to grow in it. You've got to grow in God's presence and God's power. And I think about uh, so many in our congregation who, who are committed to work. And, and, and we have parents who are committed to their children's athletic or artistic or academic pursuits. We have with uh, students and, and, and adults even who are so committed to, to being social connectors and using social media. And they spend so much time uh, talking and, and knowing what's going on in the rest of the world. And they're very, very effective and efficient and good at it. But I, I wonder, I wonder when we look at all the things that we can give our life to, when we look at all the things from, from work to sport to art to academics to, to all the, everything in between, when you think about what really matters, what's really going to remain, when you think about what's going to give you hope, there is nothing like the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what are we most vested in? 
What are we most trained in? Parents, what are we telling our children? There are some parents who would never think of missing a ball game, but missing church happens. It's an option. There are some who would never consider missing work or an assignment at work. They would never, you know, consider uh, missing out and, and not fulfilling their responsibility, but not to fulfill the responsibility to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would never consider you know, lying or, or deceiving or, or walking away from a boss or, or, or from a friend, but to God Almighty? Friends, we've got to rethink why we're doing what we're doing. We've got to look at our lives from the perspective of what God has done and this gospel and realize that He has given us a victory. And the gospel is the victory. R- write this down. The gospel is victorious at every stage of faith. It is the victory. And so when you think about the three circles, when, when you think about what God has done in the gospel, and, and, and you know this, but I share it with you again to realize that, that God's design is, is clear. It's obvious. Sin has come into the world. We've all sinned, and now there is brokenness. But because of the gospel, we can repent and believe. And if we will repent and believe in the power of the gospel, the, the gospel being the good news that God has come to die for sin to set us free, then we can recover and pursue God's design. Now, those who are new believers, those, those who are just getting started, that's the first lap. That's the first stage. But for those who are like these young men that John is speaking of, these are experienced believers. They're still living in the power of the gospel. Yes, they have understood that they've lost God's design through sin and there was brokenness, and so they repented and believed the gospel and they were saved to recover and pursue God's design. But the more you recover and pursue God's design, the more you will realize there is sin according to God's Word because you're in God's Word and you're in the power of God's Holy Spirit and you realize that there's brokenness in your life and so you repent and believe the gospel who brings healing and hope that allows you to recover and pursue God's design. And the more you use those tools of God's Word and the victory He gives you over the evil one allows you to, to grow in this, this unbelievable intimacy with God. And the closer you grow into that intimacy with God, the more you realize there's still sin and that brokenness. And the more you realize that, you repent and believe because of this intimate life you have with God. And this gospel sets you free again to recover and pursue God's design at a greater level. Friends, we are meant not to make a single decision in life and hope to see heaven one day. We are meant to give our lives to the living God and grow more and more in the knowledge of His grace and to be transformed by the power of His Holy Spirit as He is at work in uh, in us. And so we will go through stages. Let's look at these stages according to the text we have in front of us today. Write this down. New believers enjoy the victory of forgiveness and God as their Father. We're going to not work chronologically today, but categorically through the text. And so we're going to look first at what he says about these little children. Looking at verse 12 and then at the latter part of verse 13, we see he says, I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. And then at the end of verse 13, I write to you children because you know the Father. What do new believers know? What do they understand? They understand that their sins are forgiven. And they understand that their sins are forgiven, not simply so that they can get a get-out-of-hell-free card and mooch off of God's goodness for all of their life, but they realize that they are saved for God's glory. Look at this. Because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. 
Jesus died so that we could know the Father and bring Him glory. Little children know this. Those who are just beginning in their faith know this. And they know the Father personally. They know the Father because once you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, you are made a child by the power of God. You are adopted into His eternal family. And you no longer refer to some ethereal, out there, man upstairs, something powerful, some force, some, some kind of cosmic power. You now refer to the Almighty King of Heaven as your daddy. And you know Him. And He knows you. I know a lot of people, and a lot of people know me. A lot of people hear me preach. A lot of people read stuff that I write from time to time. There are some who know me that way. There are some who know me from uh, afar through social media. But then there are those who know me because we serve together, because we pray together. Yesterday, being with the elders, yesterday morning, we come together and we pray one Saturday morning a month, and we and in that moment, it's so amazing to see how well we know one another. And I have friends who know me well, who hold me accountable. But there's something about the knowledge of my family, of me, that is different than the way anyone else knows me in all the world. When my children want something they know, they don't come and say, Hey, you, can I have this? They know they come and they say, Daddy... Daddy, I love you so much. Because they know I'm a sucker. They know that. But they, they know when to ask. They know, they know what I'm about. They know where I'm going. They know what's important. They know to ask according to my will. They know not to ask for something that goes outside or contrary to what I believe and what we're about. They know to come to ask what is in line with my will. And so it is for the children of God. We know to come to the Father and to say to Him, Daddy, I love you. And I'm asking for this because I believe it is according to your will. I believe it is according to your desire. And so I ask for this, knowing that it brings you glory to say yes. It brings you glory to provide this and to be my hope and to be my strength. Little children know this. Little children of, of the faith know this. They know their sin is forgiven. There's no dividing hostility. It's been removed by the gospel. They are children of God. They know they are adopted. But experienced believers know this and more. Write it down. Experienced believers enjoy the victory over the evil one through God's Word. Again, look at the middle part of verse 13 and the middle part of verse 14. The latter part of verse 14. Since I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Experienced believers live for God's glory and they overcome the evil one. Friends, you will never bring more glory to God than when you are tempted and you gladly deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. Yes, there is some glory when you... When you choose to do it simply because it's right, but I'm going to tell you what really gives God glory is when you say, Father, my flesh wants this, but in all sincerity, I desire you more. I desire to obey you. I desire to delight in you. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you, something you grow into. It's a taste that you acquire. You acquire the taste for God's glory. 
And that happens over time. As you drink in His goodness, as you see His power at work, as you know His never-ending love for you, you desire His glory. You desire others to know how great and awesome and good He is. And it's, it becomes more and more apparent how to overcome the evil one. It's not simply saying no to something that is bad. It is saying yes to what is bad. The experienced believer says yes to what is best. And they overcome the evil one. And they do this for God's glory according to God's Word. You've heard me say this, and and I want this again to burn into our, our minds. See, when we know God's Word, we know God's way and can live according to God's will. So the, these, these young men, these who are at the stage of faith, these warriors, they are, they are not simply just trying to figure it out on their own. No, 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 no. They know God's Word. And because they know God's Word, they know God's way. And because they know God's way, they are able to live according to God's will. And what is God's will? It is that we bring glory to Him and live lives that are set apart according to the grace that He has given to us. That is His will. And it is those who are experienced in the Christian faith. It is those who have gotten beyond the, 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 the faith of a child. Those who are just beginning. Those who know they're forgiven and know that God is their Father. It is the faith of those who say, I am going to delight in doing what my Father has commanded me according to His Word. And they overcome the evil one, not simply because they have the, the willpower to do it, but because they have the love of God. They love God more than anything else. And what enables a child of God to love God? is understanding the Word of God. Because the Word of God reveals the greatness of our God. His beauty and majesty and power and sovereign care and all that He does. It is His Word that enables us to grab a hold and see and pursue and delight. These experienced believers, these young men, that's, that's what they have. But then then there are those who mature. There are mature believers. Write it down. Mature believers enjoy the victory of intimately knowing God and His promises. He repeats Himself here. The Holy Spirit of God inspires John to repeat Himself here. And this is more than just poetry. The whole section here is poetry. So, so what does this mean? He writes it, he, again, we see it twice in verse 13 and verse 14. There at the beginning. I, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. But your believers know something amazing about God, and they know this intimately. Mature believers know that God is in control and He never changes. They know Him who is from the beginning. Mature believers know that God has a plan and that God has made promises according to that plan. And that plan is found in the Word of God. So they build off of this, this, this young man's power to overcome the evil one according to the Word of God. And now they, they acknowledge that there is a plan and these mature believers, they understand God is in control of everything that happens. So they rest. They rest in His power. They rest in His plan. Mature believers have experiences when they suffer and when they have succeeded and when they struggle. 
mature believers, they, they experience this intimacy with God, this victory, when they suffer, and when they succeed, and when there are struggles. The mature believers, please hear this, mature believers are those who have had to trust in God. They have had to rely on Him when pain is overwhelming and there is no hope except the hope of God. These are mature believers. Mature believers are those who, when success demands discipline to choose to hope in God when trusting in resources and abilities are real. See, mature believers are those who understand, you know what? I've got a good business plan. I've got a plan to raise my kids and to and to succeed in my marriage. And you know what? There's a lot of, of people who love God who are, are, are fortunate by His grace to be able to be successful. But you know what mature believers do? They do not rely upon themselves. They do not rely on their capacity to obtain resources. They don't they don't rely on themselves to to, to focus in on their abilities. You know what mature believers do? They ask the right question. What can God do with these resources? What can God do with a life that is completely dependent upon Him? In success, mature believers don't get lazy. In success, mature, mature believers, they don't get proud. They get humble. And they rely on Him. Just as much as those who are going through pain, those who, who are in success that are mature, they rely on God. And when the, when the struggles demand delight in God's hope, or, or else there will become a bitterness or an apathy. Mature believers don't fall into bitterness or apathy when they struggle day in, day out. They rest in God's providence. They rest in God's power and His plan. And they rejoice in suffering. They rejoice in trials of many kinds, whether it be the trial of pain or the trial of success or the trial of struggle. Again, James chapter 1 speaks of this so well. Verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The mature believer praises God in the pain. The mature believer praises God in success, not self. The mature believer praises God in the struggle because they know that in this trial of various kind, that their faith is becoming more and more real. They are intimately knowing God and His Word and His way, and, he's, and they are accomplishing His will, and they delight in Him more and more. And they hold to the promises of God. And what are the basic promises of God? He will love us that He will provide for us. He will never leave or forsake us, and He will work all things for good. And this is the perspective and the belief, the life of the mature believer. This is not theory, not idea. This is reality. This is joy complete in faith. Friends, the the victory at every stage is already won. The, the The victory for the the, the child, the victory for the young man, the victory for the father. It's already won. But understand, write it down. Realize, Satan is defeated. But he wants to rob God's people of everything he can. 
So we must pursue God, pray for strength, and pay close attention to ourselves. Guys, there is no neutral. There's no neutral. You're either growing closer to God or you're falling away. No neutral. There's always movement. Either you are drawing in or you're falling away. Now, here this morning, very clear, very concise, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best news. It is amazing grace. There is no other name by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Are you growing in that knowledge? Some of you by now should be mature believers, but you're little children. do not fight to overcome the evil one because you do not know the Word of God. You could tell me more about the fight last night than you could of the Gospel. You could explain in greater detail the race yesterday that will be forgotten one day than you could the epistles. You could tell me more about what was said on Facebook today than what was said in God's Word. Why? What are you investing in? Little children, grow up. You who are young but growing strong, do not get proud and do not get satisfied. Grow in your delight. Some of you are growing, but are you growing in your delight and your love of God? Or is it simply you just pressing by, by sheer will? God wants your delight. And the only way you'll get that is by praying to the Word of God. Those of you who are mature, are you going to continue to press forward? Or will you too fall into pride and then one day despair because you decided, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I've arrived. I'm better than most. That is not the victory that God has called us to. He called us to a daily pursuit of His glory. And I want to challenge you today. Some of you who, first of all, believe like a little child and be saved, to come and receive the gospel. Others of you that say, you know what, Lord? I need to grow. I need to mature. I need to go from where I am right now to what is next. And may this word become real to me today. And I want to invite you to, to pray that and ask for that. And then those of you who know of needs, I want to invite you to come and pray for those who are stuck. Some are stuck in sin and, and, and in, the, in a terrible place. Others are stuck in a place of faith. There's no growth. And I want to invite you to come and ask God to do a miracle in their life. Come and ask God to do a miracle in your life for salvation. Come and ask God on your knees to, to ask Him to transform your faith so that you may grow.
And then for those you know who need His grace, pray for them. Let's stand together as we prepare to respond. Lord God, as we come into this sacred moment where we say yes to, to Your Word that we've just heard, I pray for those who need to come today and get on their knees, some to be saved, some to say, God, I, I'm not even a little child. I'm on my own. I'm in darkness. I'm in sin. I'm broken. And I pray today they would come and repent and believe and be saved and be able to pursue and recover Your design. For those who are now growing in that, Lord, may they today feel the pinch of the truth of conviction and come on, on knees humbled by this truth and say, Father, I thank You that I'm not what I once was, but I pray that I will now become all that You died for me to be. And God, for those we know that need Your grace, that need transformation, that need Your light and life in them, Lord God, would You hear the prayers of those who come and pray on behalf of those they love? And would You, God, do the miracle they request? We ask You to do this now in the name of Christ.